Morning, church. Andy, that was a both a um, kind and kind of over-the-top introduction. So um, I just, like, I'm home. This is cool. It's good to be able to be here with you guys and not, um, you know, somewhere else in the world or whatever. And, uh, and, and it's, good for us to, it's good for us to consider this. I, I want to start this morning, and I, I just kind of want to start with a, a little bit of a story just to kind of set context for, for where we're headed this morning. So... About um, a little over a decade and a half ago, um, and if you think back and just kind of um, remember who, who, the, who the world was at that time, 15 years ago, where we were, things that were, things that were oppressing us, one of the heavinesses that hung over um, the world, one of the heavinesses that hung over, hung over us globally um, was the AIDS crisis, Right? We, you know, today we kind of look at that and we, and, and that's, that's something that's not in the headlines anymore. It's not something that we feel, we feel pressed upon and, 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 and like we feel is a, is an ever present dire reality. But 15 years ago, um, AIDS, AIDS didn't have any kind of answer and, and it was running amok a, a, around the world and, and people were dying and there were consequences that we saw to, to the fall and to the presence of sin that we live in that was, that was manifest in the AIDS crisis, no place on the planet was, was hurt more and hit more by the AIDS crisis than sub-Saharan Africa. In, in the middle of sub-Saharan Africa, in, in a little bitty village called Kalingalinga in the middle of Zambia, um, they were experiencing what, what most of sub-Saharan Africa was, was experiencing, which was um, children who, who literally in droves were being orphaned. Kids who were filling the streets who had no ability to advocate for themselves, no ability to care for themselves, um, death all over. And the truth was nobody was doing anything about it. And, and so in the middle of that environment, God began to work in the heart of a pastor. He began to work through his word in the heart of a pastor and began to work in the heart of a, of a, of a pastor named Billy Chandwi. And Billy, um, Billy was broken over what was happening in the streets around his church and what was happening in his community. But I think he was, he was more led to the depths of brokenness to realize that there was an answer. And the answer was in God's people. And there was a brokenness and a repentance that came to say that it's the responsibility of God's people to step into that crisis. It's the, it's the responsibility of God's people to bring justice where injustice exists. It's, the, it's, the, it, it, it's, the, it's the, the role of God's people to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the, in the face of crisis. And so, and so the answer was really simple. They set aside a Sunday. They said, we're going to take a Sunday and we're going to dig into God's word and we're going, to, we're going to really wrestle with the implications of what God says about our role as the church and how we care for orphan and vulnerable children. And then we're going to consider what we're going to do to, to help our, our community. And so they worshiped and they preached and they, and they, and they focused on the word and they, and they focused on the idea that God is the father to the fatherless. That God is the answer and that, and that within them, that God had given them everything in the presence of the, of, of, of the Holy Spirit to address the mess that was going on in their community. And then they took up an offering. 
And as I've heard Billy tell that story about what it was like to be in that place and to see people take up that offering, what he, what he, what he describes is, is, a, is a people who didn't focus on their limitation, a people that didn't focus on the depth of the crisis, but a, but a people that focused on God and focused on obedience. A people that focused on the richness of what it was that Jesus had done for them and about, the, about how they had been the benefactors of grace. And so he, he, he talks about the fact that when they started to take up the offering, that there were people that got up and left the church, got up and walked out of the church. And as a pastor, I can imagine, Andy, I, you know, I, I can imagine if it was me, if I was standing there and we, we just did, you know, just preached a sermon and we just worshiped around this idea that God is big enough to address the crisis and then we come to the point of response and the point of offering and then people get up and leave? Like, that would have been devastating. But here's what happened. People got up and left because they went to their homes. And because, they, because they, they grabbed what meager possessions they had and they brought them back to offer them to God to be a part of the solution. And so he talks about people taking the shoes off of their very feet and putting them in the offering basket because it's all they had. He tells the story of a widow who was struggling to provide for herself and her children who went to her house and got the few vegetables that she had out of her cupboard and brought them and put them in the offering basket because because she wanted to testify to the fact that God was the father to the fatherless and that that God had set aside his church to bring justice to those children who, who lacked it in their community. And she had the trust to say, Rather than protecting what I have, I'm going to cling to what I really have. And so this morning, I want us to delve into Psalm 82. I want us to dig in because because I believe what we're going to find in Psalm 82 is is something that, that reflects and mirrors the heart of what Billy was trying to to, to say and to preach to his people and what the Spirit responded to them in in that moment. And I believe what we will find for ourselves is a word for us about who we're to be and about what we're to do and about where, where we fit and about how the gospel relates to this idea of, of seeking justice. You look around... I mean, we look at the, at the crisis of, of, of orphan and vulnerable children around our world, and it is, it's, bigger, it's bigger than we can take in. UNICEF tells us that there are 167 million orphans around the world. 167 million children that live in a position of vulnerability, that many of them w- deprived of both parents, Many of them standing on on the precipice of, quite frankly, death, not just indifference. Moreover, millions of children that don't, that don't even get counted in that number, 167 million sounds like it's, it's bigger than we can get our minds around that number of kids, but, but, but then we begin to like think that the, the number of kids that are born on the street that are undocumented, that nobody knows who they are. 10, 12 million kids around the world that are growing up today in institutions being being raised by by a system, not by a family. 
140,000 children right here in America that are they're waiting for adoption. All of the other options for them have been, have been exhausted. And they need families. So what are we to do? I think the truth is what we're supposed to do and what we're going to find in the word is that our job as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to seek justice for them. That, that, they, are, that they are voiceless, that they are without resource, that they are without, without ability to be able to help themselves. The one thing that I can tell you today is that, that the vulnerable children in our community, if they had the ability even to get here through the race... They're not going to show up. Like the one thing that we don't have to stand in fear of this morning is that there's going to be some sort of disturbance that's going to break out outside out there. There's not going to be a throng of, of, of vulnerable children that are going to show up with, with signs and, and, and picket and, and demand that their, that, their, that their rights be given to them. They're not, going to, they're not going to tell us about the conditions that they're living in. They're not, going to, they're not going to stand for themselves because they have no voice. They have no ability. They have no standing and... And therefore, they're in need of us to be their voice. They're in need of us to seek justice for them. They're in need of us to be the people that God has called us to be. So let's jump into Psalm 82. A plea for judgment, a plea for justice. Three things I think we're going to find when we, when we jump into, and the first of which in Psalm 82, is that the presence of injustice that we see in our world really is, is, a, is a direct place where we see our lostness apart from Christ. Look at what the psalmist says. He says, God stands in the divine assembly. He pronounces judgment among the gods. How long... This is God speaking. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? So the psalmist paints a picture for us of this idea that, that, God, is, that God is standing in the assembly. And it's a little bit confusing to us in English when we, when we look at this because, it, because we, we, we sort of think that maybe this is some kind of Star Wars kind of thing, right? Like that God is among the gods. Well, well, like the truth is there are no other gods, right? There is but one God and, his, and, 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 and he is our God. He is our Father. And, and, and so what the, what the psalmist is explaining to us here is that God is sitting down not among the gods, big G, that, that, that rule the universe, not among some council. He's not sitting down with, you know, with Zeus or someone else and, 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 and like trying to work out the, the condition of the world. What God is doing is he's sitting down with the little gods, that, that this is God taking counsel with the rulers of the world. And, and, and so... Like I, I, I want you to, to, to just understand the picture that, that, we, that we see before us, that, that this, this is God, the creator of the universe, the maker of all that we know, who is, who is stooping and, and, and humbling himself to have a conversation at this point and, to, and, to, and to, to enter into a point of confrontation with the rulers of this world. Why? Because that's where we tend to put our hope, folks. Because that's what we tend to think the answer is. 
Because that's where our delusion comes from. Why hasn't the church acted in, in caring for orphans and caring for vulnerable in the community? Why? Because we believe it's the government's job to do it. Because we believe it's, it's, it's invested in society out there somewhere to do it. it, we, we, it it's, because, it's because we're comfortable to, to believe that there are structures that exist outside of the church and outside of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that are going to take care of this situation. And that's the fundamental lie that began in Eden that continues to perpetuate today. That you and I fall susceptible all the time to the reality that there is something other than the hope of Jesus Christ that's going to fix the mess that we find ourselves in. And that there's someone else other than the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to be the answer, that's going to step up, that's going to solve the problem, that's, that's going to address the issue. And God is declaring before the nations in Psalm 82 that that is not the truth. God stands in the divine assembly. He, he, he looks at the rulers of the world, and what does he say? He says, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will you show partiality to the wicked? The truth is that, that given the opportunity to rule well, we never will. That given the opportunity to seek justice apart from Jesus, we never will. We, will. we will inevitably run to selfishness and self-interest. We will inevitably run to self-protection. We will, we will inevitably try to crawl back on the throne. And what the psalmist is reminding us is that there is absolutely no hope. There's absolutely no hope in that. We understand when we look around and we see the, the plight of, of orphan and vulnerable children, like it, it, it digs in us deeply. Like we realize it's wrong, right? But ultimately, it doesn't matter how wrong we see it. It doesn't matter how much we recognize that it shouldn't be. We, we over and over and over continue to act in a way that we seem powerless to do anything about it. And so many times what we do is that we look for second best. We rely on civil justice. We rely on something outside of something outside of Christ to be the answer. What does that something look like sometimes? Well, I think today in our society, um, it looks like us living in an outrage culture. It, 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 looks like, it, looks, it looks like us trolling social media and looking for injustice and, and, and reading the news always with an edge to the way that things should be. And it looks to us many times falling prey to the idea of, of skipping from, from one malady to the next, from one problem to the next, expressing outrage and becoming what some have called slacktivist. People, people who are committed to the idea of justice, but really, they really don't want to work for it too much. <laughs> people, people that are committed to the idea of justice, but really don't want to invest in it too much. And so, and so we'll invest our thumbs on our phones. And we'll, we'll invest our voice for a moment. But the problem is in, in, the, in the selfishness that is, that, is, that is wound up in the act of us trying to be the answer, of, of us walking out slacktivism, 
is that we tend to be those distractible people that we move on to the next thing. We move on to whatever seems to be pressing. We move on to whatever seems to be attractive. We move on to whatever seems to be instant, and we truly miss the just heart of God. But instead, I believe God's calling us to be a different kind of people. He's calling us to be a kind of people who are attentive to those things that he says are unjust. To those things that exist outside of the, the, the reality of the kingdom of God that he has come to build. To, for, for us, to, for us to, 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 to detest what he detests and for us to love what he loves and for us, for us to give our lives to digging in to reflect him in those places. And so what does that look like? So like, where, where, is, where is the hope? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's right there in Psalm 82. The hope that we ultimately find for the answer to this crisis, we can find in verse 8. Because the promise that we know is that that ultimately you and I will work and struggle in the presence of sin, that we will work and struggle in the presence of injustice, but that our God will prevail. Verse 8, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. The orphan crisis in the world isn't a reason for us to despair. It's not a reason for us to be dejected. What it is is it presents for us an opportunity for us to realize that God is enough, that God has provided, that God will provide. But God has an agenda for justice that's greater than balancing earthly scales. God has been unfolding a plan to redeem the world and to rid the world of the curse of the fall since the very, since the very moment of the fall. Look over in Deuteronomy chapter 10 when, when God begins to, to speak to the people and, and begins to recount the history of Israel and tell the people the important place that they serve in bringing the gospel to the nations and, and, and ultimately uniting the nations to God. When, 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 God begins, when God speaks of himself, he says, he says, I am the God of gods, I am the Lord of lords, I am the great and mighty God. God God declares to the world that the point of this thing is that he is God and that he deserves worship. And then, then here's what he says. He says, then, then you, Israel, you as my people, here's what I expect from you. That you'll take care of the fatherless. That you'll love the widow and, and, and make sure that the widow is provided for. That, that, you will, that you will love the sojourner and that you will take the outsider and you will make them an insider. And then God, then God profoundly says to the people, there's a reason why you do that because that's who you were. How much more true is that of us who are, who are in Christ? That the reason that, that, that we need to step in and be the hope in the middle of this mess, the reason that we need to step in and to, and to, and to press for biblical justice is because we were once outside of the camp. We were once outside of the family of God, but yet we have been invited in by the work of Jesus. 
And so the hope in the middle of this mess isn't that, that, that you and I will be able to marshal up all the forces to, to, to get the right political winds to blow in the right direction or to, to produce the amount of resources that we can fix this problem economically or, or anything else. The, the right answer to this is that you and I who, who have hope because of what Christ has done for us, that we will bring that hope into this arena. The, the hope is that, that, that you and I will step out and will begin to, to execute just really simple, practical aspects of justice that we'll make sure that, that, that orphans are fed and that orphans have homes, that we'll make sure that, that, that widows are, are taken care of and that they're not victimized, that we'll make sure that, that, that outsiders are, are not disenfranchised, but they're loved that we will do those things and then we will use those as opportunities to say, why do we do it? We do it because that's who our God is. And that's what he's done for us. But that's what he can do for you. And this is a work that we know that Jesus began at his first coming, right? The work of, of ultimately reconciling the world to himself. That, 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 but that this is a work that ultimately isn't going to be finished until Jesus comes again. And then part of what you and I get the opportunity to do when we're seeking justice is, is when we're making sure that kids are, are cared for, when we make sure that widows are provided for, when we make sure that justice is is meted out for those who can't speak for themselves, what we're able to do is we're able to point to a coming reality and we're, we're able to say that one day in the future, sin's going to be defeated finally. That we're going to be inhabitants of a, of a new heaven and a new earth that God, is, that God is in the process of making over, but one day he will finally make over all that we know and the curse of sin will be finally completely banished. But until that day, you and I who, who bear the hope of, of, of Jesus Christ, until the day when, when we don't have to struggle against that anymore, what we're going to do is, is we're going to step out in really practical ways in order, to, in order to accomplish those things in the lives of people to the best of the ability that we have. We're going we're to right wrongs in the lives of people who are standing on the wrong side of on the wrong side of power, we're going to we're going to provide resources for people who don't have. We're going to we're going to give to those, and we're going to esteem those who don't have a voice. Why? Because every time we do that, we're able to put a taste on the lips of the world of what the kingdom of God is. I've used this illustration probably before, but when I when I think about what we're trying to do and why it's so important for us to do justice, it reminds me of Sam's. You guys like Sam's, right? Anybody? Costco? Okay. We're a little highbrow in here. Okay, so Costco. Like, like one, of the, one, of the favorite, you know, one of the favorite things for us to do to, you know, to, to go to Sam's or go to Costco or whatever is to go on Saturday where they're, like all those sample carts are going to be out, right? Like it's like trick-or-treating for adults, right? It's like there's just all, all this goodness that's all over the place. But, but we understand, what we know is that, that Sam's and Costco don't really intend for us to go, to go make a buffet off of their samples. Although sometimes we have a tendency to do. What they, what they want us to do is they want us to go around and they want us to, they want us to get little samples 
of the goodness, and they want they want that 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 taste to be on our lips so that we'll so that we'll buy the whole big thing. So like we'll take the whole big bag home, right? Well, that's exactly what doing justice does with regard to the kingdom of God. When you and I step out in the power of Jesus Christ, when we step out in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and, we, and we purpose to, to right tangible wrongs, when we purpose to care for those who can't care for themselves, when we purpose to give a voice to those who don't have a voice, what we're doing is we're putting a taste on the lips of the world of the coming kingdom of God, and we're inviting the world to get the whole the whole big thing. We're saying to them and we're showing them that there is so much more that is, that is available in Jesus. There is so much more that is, that is present in Jesus and, and, the, and that this little, bit of, this little bit of good that we're able to do, this little bit of justice that we're able to do is nothing more than just a taste and a sample of what's really true in Jesus. And so as the church, we have to be active in that work. We can't be passive. We can't sit back and wait for the world to come to us. We can't wait to sit back and wait for the crisis to come. We have to get out there and to engage because the world is dying without seeing God in that way. And so we kind of come to the, to the last part of this, that the crucial piece that you and I really fulfill in, in, in the way that we walk this out is by... by Taking and using mercy and justice to reflect the heart of God. Again, Psalm 82, the psalmist says, after the accusation has gone to, to the leaders of the world, he turns to the people of God and God says, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the needy. Save them for the power of the wicked. Why? Because they do not know or understand. They are, they are beyond. They cannot help themselves. They wander in darkness. So God has given us a role to play. He's given us an opportunity. We are, we are to, to, to change our lives and bend our lives in such a way that fundamentally we realter our lives in order to, to seek justice for the voiceless and the oppressed because in a much greater sense, that's who we were. And so when we care for orphans, what we're saying to the world is that the work of justice isn't optional, it's essential to the gospel. We're saying, we're saying that, that, that ultimately, because, because really, what is justice? Justice is, is really nothing more than saying that the, that the rule and reign of Jesus deserves to be applied to all. That God created the world and everything in it, and his, his perfection and his heart deserve to be applied to it all. And it's an acknowledgement and an admission that you and I have messed that up that we've sinned and that we've participated in brokenness and that, and, that, and that we have been a part of leading the world astray, that we have been a part of, of pointing the world in the wrong direction. And part of, part of what we have the opportunity to do in gospel proclamation is to point the world back and to say, we can't do it, but he can. And here's the thing I just would would remind us, church, as we, as we close and as we wrestle with the implications of what, of what this means for us, I think we have to be reminded that ultimately we can't do the work of justice apart from the work that Jesus does in and through us. 
that some of the greatest hopelessness that the church has ever faced is, is the church trying to do justice without, without really living in Christ. And, and, and that you and I really need to, 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 to think deeply and, and, to, and to draw deeply on the idea that, that, there is, that there is an error, there is an error that stands in front of us that's, that, that we're susceptible to. And it's the idea that we want to work to make the world a place instead of working to make Jesus our king. That we want to work to make the world a place where, where injustice doesn't exist, where people are well cared for, where people have a voice. But we do that, and in many cases, the, 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 er the great error of the church has been to point away and to say, we're going to work for those things, but we're going to forget about leading the world to see Jesus. I think the great truth that Jesus, in, in Matthew 25, that Jesus pointed out as he talked about the, the, the great judgment and, and kind of the separating of the sheep and goats. You remember the story, right? They came and they said, Jesus, what's, what's that going to look like? And, and, whoa. and, and Jesus said, what did, what did he say? He said, he, he talked about the sheep and he said, he said you're, you're, the, you're the ones who have, you know, you gave me something to drink and you, you gave me something to eat and you clothed me and you... And you visited me while I was in prison, and so, and so therefore, therefore I know your mind. Come in. What did he say to the goats? He said, when you saw me hungry, you didn't feed me. When you saw me naked, you didn't clothe me. When you, when you saw me in need of something to drink that you didn't quench my thirst. When, when you saw me in prison, you didn't, you didn't visit me. Does that mean, do we draw from that, that, that somehow what this thing is about seeking justice is, is that we do those things in order to garner the favor of Jesus? No. What it means is, is that people who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, people who have been made over by the work of the Holy Spirit, people whose, whose sin has, has been blotted out by the work of Jesus, that people... Like that, like people like us, that we're going to do those things because we're going to act like our king. And so this morning, I think the thing that we want to be careful to do is we want to be careful to be a people who remember that when there is no justice, we can ultimately say that there is no Jesus because when the people of God are present and when the presence of God is present, we will seek justice. But we also need to be aware of the fact that in those places where we see no justice, the thing that really lacks is Jesus because when there is no justice, there ultimately is no Jesus. So what do we have the opportunity to do as the church of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ? To go into the hard places. To go into the places where people are being victimized and hurt. To, to go into the places where, where voicelessness exists. To, to work in, in trafficking. To work in orphan care. To work in refugee services. To work in those places. But ultimately, what do we have to offer and what should we bring? What we have to offer and what we have to bring is Jesus. And it's the truth of him, and it's the reality of his work. Because we have to remember that ultimately, 
that Jesus satisfied his own justice through his own work. And that our care for vulnerable people will only prevail when it's done in the power of the work that Jesus has done. And so church, let's be a people. Let's be a people who sell out for justice, a people who strive for justice, a people who love justice. But let's be a people who, who bring Jesus into the places of unjust, injustice. And let's be a people who ultimately are used of God to make a difference for the fame of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. God, thank you that in this moment we can rest in the reality that, Lord, you did not count our sin and our rebellion against us. That, Lord, that in the injustices and in, in, in the hurts and in the depravity that we've created in the world, that, Lord, you did not say that that was, that that was, that was irredeemable. But that, Lord, by your great character as a rescuer and a defender, that, Lord, you have provided for us. And that, Jesus, when there was no other way, that you came and you lived and you died and you rose again and you the penalty for our sin. Lord, may we be the people who step out into the orphan crisis in the world and say, the answer is Jesus. Lord, may we be the people who step into foster care in America and say, the answer is Jesus. May we be the people who step in to human trafficking and victimization and say that the answer is is Jesus and Lord may we be people that can be counted upon for your name's sake God help us to be active help us to be present and God we pray that you would do deep deep work in our community and our church.